We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. party it's been a while since i've done one of these i'm sorry for that life just kind of uh kind of keeps getting in the way and also there's just not not a ton of basketball stuff going on you guys know how that is um i guess there's a little more today which is why we're in here hanging out and why i wanted to give uh people the ability to to come inside and chat so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna post in the comments right now if you'd like to join me up here talk a little hoop uh go ahead and click the stream yard link um, I will try to see if I can find a way to pin that, um, go into the YouTube channel, probably do it that way. That should work just fine. Uh, you click on that brings you to a waiting room. You can come up here and talk with me and ask any questions. In the meantime, I thought I might sort of talk about the, uh, the news of the day with, with what's going on. So there was, let's see here. Obviously we, we started world cup games this morning. I have not caught up on any, um, particular replays, which is, a problem for me but you know when they start so early uh at least on a weekday morning i think uh tomorrow morning i will be able to go into um probably go figure find a way to watch a stream so that'll be that'll be fun um i know australia won already and then who else do we have playing next uh let's see here we have slovenia plays saturday morning which is 6 30 central time here in the United States, 6.30 is a delightful time to uh, watch basketball if my son wakes up that early. Then who else do we have, at least this weekend? Canada played this morning. They ran France off the floor, which is shocking, like a 30-point drubbing. Uh, and then Australia played way early, 3 a.m. Uh, I think Josh Green had six points and uh, Dante Exum had 10. going to look forward to going back and watching that one. Um, nobody asked if I watch any games today. I really didn't, and that's a mistake on my part, but here we go. 
Uh, hey, we already got somebody in here, which means I can come back to one of the questions that I have via email. We got my guy Mike up in a couple, uh, I don't know, it's been like a month. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Welcome, welcome. How are you doing? What are you thinking? Um, just trying to deal with the heat. Um, oh, God. It's so tough, man. I work outside and we're hitting like 105, 106 every day. Uh, are, you, are you maintaining weight or are you like an NBA basketball player where like slowly the summer has just drained you of all uh, moisture and you're paying <laughs> <laughs> more of the latter. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like, it's for anybody that's not in Texas. Cause I, I assume most listeners today are Texas based. We still have like 25 more days of a hundred plus heat to approach the like record in a hundred and which was in 2011, but it's been over a hundred for a month. Like in every, and not like kind of over a hundred, like heat reaching one ten regularly. It sucks. Anyways, so uh, what then, basketball stuff you, are you thinking? Um, I don't. We haven't talked about this for a while, but why does it seem like everybody that's talking about it, it seems it's a foregone conclusion that Dwight Powell is starting? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I, survivor's guilt. I, I don't, you know, I just like, I feel like we've been through this so many times that we don't really know how to talk about what could or couldn't happen. Um, it's, it's kind of, it feels like a crutch thing and I just can't shake, at least for me, I can't shake the process of, um, this probably being something where, I, I need the Mavericks to start somebody else for my own mental well-being because as nice as like you know, the, the numbers with Powell, just they aren't bad. That's part of the problem because him and Luca get yeah, off to I, such a good start. I, just, I, I think they're going to that because I don't, I don't think they understand what gets Powell on the floor in the first place. If you could use always- him for like four minutes to start right. – like maybe the first half, the second half, and if you need another six to seven minutes throughout the game, that's fine. But right. instead, they play him until it becomes apparent that he can't play, and I hate that. Pretty much, yeah. They they're just they're they set him up to fail. He's he's meant for like twelve minutes, but they try to go for like twenty two. Right, and so then those those. Those six to eight minutes are where in the margins you start to see, oh, you go look at Dwight Powell after a game. In some games, he's like negative six. You're like, well, that's where the negative six happened when he's just out there too long. Right, pretty much. And it's just like – but, no, I just – like, I think people are just looking at the roster and they're looking at it from a sense of more talent than what you need from that position because – Let's be honest, last season, Powell is the only big that we had that knows how to set a fucking screen. So, yep. and, that, and that just matters. Like, screen setting is one of those things that when you're, like, looking at a team in free agency and when you're looking at what the team needs to do better, it just probably never comes up unless you're with absolute basketball nerds. And right. th- this team didn't have the top-level talent to be lax in areas where like the margins will matter like like the screen setting i i think it's 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 a value and that's 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 the that's the thing that i'm getting at it's like i i'm just looking at it from a standpoint that 
man, you, I, I have to be proven that Rashawn Holmes stinks before I don't think he has an opportunity for that spot while uh, Lively develops. Like, I, I got to be proven he stinks first. Like, that's pretty much where I'm at with it. And, I, I I think so. I mean, and I'm gonna, you know, a, after you and I are talking, I got a question about Rashawn Holmes, and you know, one of the things that kind of drives me nuts about early season kid is that he wants to experiment a lot to like like get. Pr- the thing about basketball is though, and and Greg Popovich basically said this during his Hall of Fame speech, where it's just like, we know what stuff works and doesn't. It's a matter of like execution. It's it's so you know, you look at teams, you look at lineups, and you know the Mavericks aren't going to defend the rim if Dwight Powell's at center. Okay, so it's like, what are you? How are you building your your rotations and your lineups to get the most out of what you have? And I do understand why people are like really passive on Lively, but the more I sort of like overthink it, I think that he will start the season slow and finish the season strong. That's fine, but he still has to play. He still has he still to get has minutes. So. You're, you're going to have to play him. You, you, you should be getting at least 12 to 15 minutes, somewhere yeah. around that range. And if he fouls out, fine. Who cares? I don't care. Like He needs to learn. And I, I, I think about Summer League a lot where he – I felt like – I don't know if he necessarily got better every game, but like I never felt like he was totally – out of it like with bigs when they look lost it's really uncomfortable and and i thought that that lively looked fine i'm really looking forward to seeing you know what the mavericks can do with them right right this is i think i think there's too much overreaction as far as that spot goes i i know well, people were killed like, in it for years so that yeah part hurts yeah it hurts but it's just like i just I don't think the answer is trying to get somebody else that's going to take up minutes that may or may not be cooked, mm-hmm. like obvious candidate Capella. And, you know, look, I wouldn't mind him. I just, like, I'm not hanging our offseason on that trade. Sure. Like, some things you can't unsee, Kurt. Some things you can't unsee. And I remember watching – him get his ass cooked by Javel fucking McGee. Okay, you can't you can't unsee that stuff. So it's just like I I don't know if he's the answer that some people are making him out to be at this okay. point. We're gonna we're he gonna might find be out. Better, but we'll see. You are you are you able to watch any of this World Cup ball? I've been catching a little bit of it. I've been mainly just paying attention to uh, to highlights. Um, Exum's looking surprisingly pretty I'm, good. I'm I'm getting excited. I have unreasonable Dante Exum expectations. Right. Great right. Exum pectations. That's a terrible pun. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, like I think some people are looking at like, oh well, it was the same thing with Tyler Dorsey, you know, from last season. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. Biba is a different beast. He's playing with Giannis where they're going to put, like, four people in the paint because you don't have a three-second violation. So, yeah, he's basically getting a bunch of open gym shots. He's not taking it to the hole. He's not facilitating. He's also, he's also looks like he looks beefy. Like Oh, yeah. Like, 
I, I have as as a as a heavier man, I I like like when you see because basketball players are skinny dudes a lot of time. So you see these bigger lewds, it's like yes, mm-hmm. it's one of us. That's why Grant Grant Williams is is up there. Yeah, you need those kind of guys. Those are the ones that will lean on people and wear them down throughout the cycle of a forty eight minute game. You know, right. and it's just like that's pretty much like everything that you're trying to do in games is create advantage Yep, and like yep. So things that you can do to slow the other team down. And that's one of those small things is having bigger players that can tire them out. That's going to pick them up full quarter. They got to, it's, there's well, so many nuances in basketball. It's, it's great. That's right. Well, man, Micah, can't tell you enough how grateful I am for uh, starting me off. The other day, I did one of these about two weeks ago, and I talked to myself for 11 straight minutes before uh, my friend Josh uh, hopped up and talked with me. So I got four guys waiting below. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to some other folks. I hope you have cool. a good day, and we'll talk soon, all right? All right. All right. Have a good one. All right. Coming up next is my guy, Glenn. Glenn, welcome to the show. Is this first time for you? Uh, first time being on camera, yeah. yeah. Welcome. What's up? So, no, I was listening to the convo. I came in a little late, but, um, you know, I think I think we over are overvaluing um, minutes versus roles. Sure. Okay. Like, for example, I understand Dwight Powell is our punching boy. I'm not the biggest Dwight Powell fan. I am the biggest Dwight Powell fan if you tell me he gives me 12 to 15 minutes. And his role in the starting lineup would be the pick and roll creator for Luca and or Kyrie. Maybe even Josh Green. Points, set of screen, stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. So now we're looking for now what we need is we need rebounding. I'm never like I saw Micah heard what Micah said. I will never be able to unsee um we us getting outreaded by Kevin Looney uh in the playoffs. And we arms keep going that, I mean, his like you know, getting beat by like Looney's going to be one of those guys where when they do like Warriors, um, like Netflix, like uh, documentaries and fifteen unsung years, heroes. Where, yeah, he's going to be the guy where it's like this. They're going to talk like this guy is the one who held us together, and I, I'm going to feel less bad about it then. But now I know what you mean. And, and to be honest with you, I'm I'm encouraged that Derek Lively will get a bigger role as the season goes. It really does not matter. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to get roasted, but I want us to to listen to this. It doesn't matter if he starts. It matters if he finishes. And I think when they need a big body that can grab a board where we don't get rebounded by 12 or 15 over the course of the game, Mm -hmm. while people are saying we haven't addressed the rebounding, I actually think we have. Um, Now, Grant Williams isn't the best rebounder. But you get in a seven foot one, two hundred and thirty pound defensive rebounding guy, and you put him out there for 15, 17 minutes. That's dramatically going to change our rebounding numbers if he does one job: yeah. rebound, protect the rim. That's two jobs. But yeah, no, but it's the same one. And he, one of the things I really liked about him in summer league is I rarely felt like he was like wildly out of position. You know, it's tough when you're learning a scheme. Sometimes you're in the wrong place. The thing, and I, I do this on the internet. This guys can't help myself. But I had people telling me yesterday, like not a ton of people, oh, JaVale McGee's overrated or underrated. I'm like, guys, JaVale McGee stat chases. He he chases blocks. And anytime you do that as a big man, it hangs out your defense to dry. And there's just real value in being enormous and being in the right spot. And I think Lively, you know, one thing, I, I'm, I'm a very kind of vehement kid critic when he makes me mad. 
But one thing I, I cannot I cannot knock him on is how he has treated and brought along young guys two years in a row. We had Josh Green in a pivotal year. Green looked better. We had Hardy in a year where, you know, if you were to divide his season up into quartiles, there's a reason there's a lot of Hardy hype right now. It's because kid brought him along well. They did well. So if with those, you know, under, I think big man stuff is a little more difficult to, to excel at early on. But I just I have reasonable expectations that that at some point during the year, Lively is going to matter a lot more than what you would historically think of a late lottery rookie big man. I think the major difference that separates him and him maybe not falling into those big man problems is he moves his feet incredibly well. Mm. He moves his feet almost good enough to be a wing four player. Mm. Um, and that's the difference between him and JaVale. Both, you know, JaVale could get rebounds if he was in the right place. JaVale was never in the right place. Ever. Derek Lively seems extremely coachable <laughs> and he can move his feet. Major upgrade just by being on the roster. The second thing is we're talking about Exum and these wings. Uh, I've always been a big proponent. I wanted the Mavericks to sign. I'm not going to do the Christian Wood thing. Sign, trade, Christian Wood, get Jared Vanderbilt. But since we didn't get Vanderbilt, like a player in that defensive mold, we didn't get Thibel. Exum, don't be surprised if he's like the closing lineup. He's the wing player that guards your best player. Between him and maybe Omax, we have a dramatically better defensive team only because we have people that can play defense now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we just have to trust Kid to be able to put people in the right places. Not going to bash Kid, but I do need to see him be able to use the tools at his at his disposal because, oh. yeah. I think he's going to love Omax and Exum more than just about anybody he's come across. I think it's going it, to, it's the, the, some of the tools that, you know, just the players that they've had to go with just haven't been very good. And so it's like, what happens if you just improve the talent a little bit? So, um, yeah, yeah. And so we'll see. I'm, I'm very curious about how the Josh green extension does or doesn't go. I am going to say I was a big proponent of grabbing Capella because there's no way you can look at his stat line and see he's averaging 10 points and 12 rebounds and not say he doesn't make our team better when the number one or two thing we struggled with was rebounding. That's the thing that blew us out of the gym. We couldn't get enough possessions mm. to put enough, even though we scored so many points, we gave away so many points and couldn't protect the rim. If we get rid of Hardaway, mm -hmm. I think we're going to be challenged with bench scoring. I, 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 I'm, I have a weird soft spot for Timmy. He's just, when he's on, it's like, like it's a religious experience because the shots just go down. And then when he's off, I hate him so much, but I, I, I could see that for sure because there's a willingness factor in his shooting. And it's, it's, that's to me, that's not really something you can teach. Like Josh green has this problem because Josh green wants to take like three threes a game. It's like, boss, we need you to take six. Tim's like, I'll take 12. Just, just give me the ball, and and that that I think matters over a long enough uh, period of games. And people are saying Seth Curry, we signed Seth that we don't need uh, Tim. We kind of do because Seth probably will only shoot the ball three times a game. Seth will probably only it. play forty games too. The man's made out of cardboard. Yeah, and Hardy is. Let's say he does give you ten points off the bench. He he's going to be giving up twice as much to his defender. So we need somebody to hold the ship on that second line. I think Tim is good. I think I think this is the roster we're going into with, and I think we'll be pleasantly surprised of how we're better defensively and on the block. I agree. 
I agree. Glenn, thank you for joining us. Do you have anything else? That's it, man. All right. Hope you come back. Appreciate you hopping in. This talk is, to you this later. Is how, yeah, talk soon. This is this is how we keep uh, summer content alive with with people helping me out here and just talking a little basketball. Um, if, before I bring on our next guy, we're going to go Andreas, Leo, and jo Joel that are waiting down there. So you'll everybody, I'm, I bring up everybody if I have the time, and I have the time today. Um, if uh, people who are listening to the show, if you could go hit that like button, that would be very very helpful for me. You know, liking the stream, it it somehow helps with the search algorithm, brings people up to um, come talk and hang out. Uh, and if you're new here for the first time, if you could subscribe to Pod Maverick, that would be great. Um, it occurred to me, I was explaining this to a friend, during the regular season, we podcast, if there are four games, we do we do eight podcasts because we are absolute sickos. Um, and I would like to continue, I'm really looking forward to talking about Mavs basketball, to be quite candid. All right, coming up next is my man across the world wearing what looks to be an old school, yes, uh, uh, God, just a beautiful jersey. <laughs> Andreas, how you doing? Excellent. Thank you very much for bringing me up again. Absolutely. Um, What's going on today? I heard Glenn talking. I was like, the man said it all. And Micah before as well. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to go back to the chat and give some thumbs up. Uh, but uh, thanks for bringing me up. No, uh, I, again, I, I so, like uh, talking to you. What's what's going on? Are you watching any <laughs> of the World Cup? A little bit. I must admit some highlights. I have some private stuff going on. Uh, a lot of guys out. I'm boxing influence all there. Real life responsibilities kicking yeah. once more. What, what time do the games come on where you are? Because they start at um, 3 a.m. where we are. Yeah, so uh, that's basically in the morning. Okay. Uh, um, what, what what is it? Is I think six hours time difference a little. Yeah, bit they're in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. um, oh wait, no, I mixed something up. Yeah. Never mind. I'm not entirely sure. I'm. I'm See, I'll, that's a problem with this that. stuff. That's what I ran yeah. into this morning. Is I was an hour late for the Australia game, and I was like, "Come on." I, and I had said, because like my dogs wake me up at all hours of night. I haven't slept since 2016. So it's like, I was like, oh, I'm going to turn on TV. And then I'm like, the game's like halfway over. I just decided to go back to bed. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I follow a lot of American media. And then the Philippine time, time difference just, just uh, uh, make, makes yep. it difficult for me. Anyway, yep. so um, I love the Dan to Exum talk. Uh, I love his, con based on, well, what I read in the highlights I saw, I must admit. Um, I really like the consistency. I like the confidence. Uh, I like the. I think he's he's at least attempted some clutch activities. I think he hit a crucial three pointer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I like that. And I think last time we spoke about who will the third ball handler be. Well, I believe we uh, settled that. Um, I, I would put my money on it being him. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm very, very happy about it. And uh, I mean, he doesn't need to excel in simply everything. Uh, he's the guy coming back to the NBA, and I think everybody's aware of it, particularly him, which is important. And um, yeah, I think we will maybe even also see some famous Dallas free guard lineups again with having that plethora of guards again, uh, whether it be Timmy, whether it be Axel, really. Or Seth, uh, for good measure, or whatever. I think uh, um, we might we, see some really weird lineups. lineups. Like yeah. we're going to see some odd. Like Grant Williams is going to play some center at six six, and yeah. Luca's yeah. going to be the ball handler at six eight. Like there's going to be some funky stuff. And I, 
at least I hope. I mean, with, under Rick Carlisle, we definitely would have gotten the weirdest stuff possible. But I, I think <laughs> Kid will try a lot of different things. I mean, there's, there's a lot of size on the roster, but there's not overwhelming size. There's more like length, and so I'm I'm just I'm I'm excited about the op, the different options. Yeah, and I believe a lot of hustle too. Uh, uh, there are a lot of guys who are like, "Give me the ball," you know. Mm-hmm. I I, I want to get the rebound. I want to get the ball. I want to do the hustle play. And not only that, um, there are guys who would be able to maintain a certain play style, a certain way how to approach the game of how the coaching staff wants the team to carry out the game, a game plan over an 82 season, an 82 game season. Uh, you know, when, when you have drastically different players, one play one style, the other play another. It's very different to to have that consistency throughout, and I yeah. believe that that sort of players with a healthy mix of veterans and very dynamic guys that will be something, in my opinion, we have missed with the plethora of guys like Theo and so on and so forth. Just guys that aren't real players, like they're not real basketball players at an NBA level. You can't. Uh, I feel. I was initially very irritated at the idea that we were going to sign Markeith Morris, and then it turns out it's a non-guaranteed. But Markeith yeah. Morris is a 15th guy, is a completely different deal than exactly. JaVale McGee is the starting center, which didn't make sense to me from the from the jump. So it's – I'm just – I am I also – and this is ridiculous, but this is the nature of fickle fandom. I just like new. Like different is nice. Like I want to be mad about new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I get that, and this is where the Dwight Powell thing might come in as a as a um, nerve wracking moment for a lot of guys, or as a as, as an unrattling thing. I'm certain he will start again, but uh, like Glenn and Mike has said before as well, and you as well, why not? Uh, the center position is not the um, is not the most important position, as we all I think can agree on in modern days NBA. Uh, yeah. If everybody is buying in on the way how to play the game, how to approach it, uh, box out, try to get the ball, be fast. I think when Luca gets his rest, we have so many fast, uh, an opportunity to have so many fast dynamic players on the courts. It's, uh, I think, unseen for Dallas Mavericks team in the last years, really. You know, Dirk wasn't the, the fastest guy anymore past his prime. Luca was never really... Uh, the fastest guy in the court, Ivory. So, so that will be a sight for sore eyes. Yep. There, the Dallas Mavericks fans will get some something new. I'm certain. I'm excited. Uh, I'm real excited. So, I'm excited too. I think that sums it up pretty nicely. And uh, my excitement's only getting bigger for first real games coming up at one point. I'm very That's right. curious. Well, thanks for taking some time out of your evening to talk with us. Thank you. Thank you All very right, much man. again. We'll talk soon. All right, coming up next is my guy, Leo. And if you guys see me, like, looking around, I have my my puppy. I mean, I guess she's a year now. But she's up here sniffing at the carpet, and she has a monstrous tendency to just go bite, like, floorboards and doors. And so uh, if you see me, like, panically run off screen, that's what I'm doing. Hey, Leo, uh, you're up next, then Joel. Hi. Leo, what's up, me? dude? Uh, doing good. Am I loud enough? Or... Yeah, you're great. Okay, uh, as far as your dog, maybe try like rubbing a little bit of lemon on the floorboard. It should deter them a little bit. You'd think this that this this dog like I put red pepper on stuff outside. She does not like. She's a. She's oh, she a texts then. 
Yeah, she she's a, that's a good point. She's a lunatic, though. She's my lunatic, but I, I, I'm, I'm tired. I need the extended puppy stage to be done. So, uh, so I have two quick things I want to talk sure. about. I was going because well, you know, no NBA, no playoffs. I was listening to some of the old podcasts from uh, that really good run we had after the All Star season in 2021, 2022, and you and Josh kept on talking about the way our team just had the kinetic defense mm. and seeing how last year we didn't have the personnel for it. We don't exactly have the same personnel now because we don't really have a player that's six, eight size other than Omax. But do you think we can return to that kind of defensive play style, replacing uh, Dodo with uh, Grant Williams and JB with Kyrie, or maybe switching it up to where we replace DP with Grant and maybe slide someone else into where we have five movable players that can shoot, but also can kind of move around on defense? Or is that just like not possible until we see them play? I'd say it's possible in theory, but the problem with an effort-based defense is you're inevitably going to come up against an offense and a coaching staff and such that knows how to beat it. Um, You just need better players. Now, I think there's the argument to be made that there are better players on this team defensively than on the team that made the 2022 uh, 2022 Western Conference Finals. I think you can make that argument, uh, at least on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I... they have no, you know, outside of maybe some of the concerns at center, the defense on the, the you know, different points of attack folks that are going to be guarding the ball are, are are better than what the Mavericks ended the season with. That's for sure. Okay. And the second point, which is a little bit quicker, do you think we're a vibes team again? Because based, because I, I know that was a big talking point of that run. I'm not refer, I'm referring to that run a lot, but it's like, JB was in good vibes by I'm not the biggest fan of Kyrie, but everyone seems to love him. And Grant seems to be like that nerdy guy that just, he can be the guy everyone picks on. And we have vets in that can actually play now. Does that seem like a better chance that we have a, a healthier locker room than what was last year? I mean that like vibes are an off or a byproduct of winning, not the other way around. Like they don't just exist because you like each other. Like I, I, how many working environments have you been in, be it school or a job or whatnot? And sometimes things are great and sometimes things suck. And the Mavericks got on a heck of a roll in 2022. And that just, it, and they kept it going. Um, the We should have known, you know, during the like game, like four or five of the seven game win streak when Luca was just killing people, but he needed to score 44 points a game for that to happen. We should have known that this was bad because all the teams they were playing were bad. So it's like, it was fun, but it was kind of desperate. And, you know, we're going to see pretty early on, and, and I, I've been talking about this extensively, I think the Mavericks getting off to a good start is probably the most important thing to to early, you know, to, to the vibes as you described it. Because if they play 500 basketball for the first 20 games again, I'm going to lose my mind. Because they they just, they have the personnel to play better. And the, the schedule set up in such a way, I mean, I got it open right now. They open against San Antonio. The uh, game versus Brooklyn in Dallas is going to be pretty emotional. You know, then they play Memphis, who's going to be without John Morant. They play Chicago. They play Denver, which is obviously tough. But they, they play a bunch of winnable games in their first 10 to 15 games, and they need to take advantage of that. And I just, I hope they do. And, and I think that changes the vibes a lot. Well, and one other thing to just add to the whole see how we start off the season is the reason why teams that travel a lot in the preseason 
that they that they struggle so much to start off the years that they're exhausted or is it because they're sick of being around each other because you have to be in the plane and around these guys all the time it's <laughs> a really good question i don't know i would assume i would assume it's like a physiological thing because these guys there's a rhythm to playing basketball games where you know you need to be ready between this hour you know, this grouping of time, you know, three nights a week for six straight months. And when you travel around the world and you're readjusting to sleep, like really readjusting to sleep schedules, I think there's some things that can throw some teams off. I'm curious though. I mean, if they were able to shrug off that and play well anyways, I'll be excited. Okay. And one last thing before I go, I've been up here for a minute. No, the right. reason why DP never, so the reason why DP never loses his uh, starting spot is because he knows his role. Every other big that we've brought in mm. here always wants to be something more than what he's going to be playing next to Luca. You're right. It's a, it's wild to think that they're going to be more, but then it's like, why they lose their job? Because they're not doing their job. Yeah, no, that's true. All right, Leo. Thanks, man. Talk soon. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Coming up next is Joel. I think this is Joel's first time on the show. Hope hope so. Joel, how are you doing today? Uh, good, Kurt. How are you? I am great. Welcome. This is your first time up, right? Uh, first time since video. I called in once. Uh, there we go. Towards the end of the uh, audio only. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for you making the leap because I know that's it's a big barrier for a lot of people. It was for me because I was like, I would walk around when I would do those shows. And now yeah. I just have to sit here. And it's just it's different. So I'm, I'm glad you joined us. Um, so I want to touch on a couple things that I think... Uh, almost everybody I've listened to uh, has kind of uh, just bypassed. Uh, I heard Josh tap on it just a slightly during one of you all's conversations a few weeks ago. And uh, it's the, the reason we got Derek Lively is because the league is getting loaded with real bigs. Mm-hmm. You got Utah, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, uh, LA, uh, Lakers, you got uh, New Orleans, uh, Philly, there's just bigs everywhere. 
and a lot of these bigs are young and not fully developed, like in our own uh, conference. <clears throat> and we're going to need lively in two years when the French dominators going off and uh, Oklahoma City is got two seven footers shooting 40% plus from, from three point. And I just think they had to get a good young big. So they just pulled the trigger and they're going to go for it. Yeah. Uh, uh, it they, they had to find it somewhere and it's, it, it's kind of a quiet arms race because I think bigs for a long time have been, I don't want to say like we people in the chat, not chat on the show that come up already saying like, well, we know center is kind of a less important position, but skit like the skilled bigs like like guy you know this is not 19 you know 2002 where you can have like just large bodies like todd mccullough ready to fight shack yeah it's these guys are all really skilled at doing more than just simple stuff and i i think i think that matters over over the long run i mean i'm not sure if you're familiar with any of like like the different um up and coming like youth players but like carlos boozer's son uh, is just this incredible like big man prospect and then there's like Cooper Flag, who's going to result in like the basketball internet like burning itself because he's yeah. such a monster. Like skilled bigs are, are in demand. It, it matters, right? And if we have one, even if he's not a killer on the offensive side, if he can deter every other shot just a little bit in the paint, or even closing out to uh, uh, somebody shoot some seven foot two big shooting. Uh, from the outside and, you know, being able to close out on that and be able to even get a hand up is yep. something that those guys don't even see all the time. Yep. And also uh, another point that I, that I feel like nobody's following um, is everybody's saying that Omax and Lively, well, they're rookies, they're rookies, they're rookies. Don't expect, don't expect, don't expect. And I'm like, okay, I get that. I'm not expecting anything the first week of play. You know, they're going to get out there. They're going to have nerves. They're going to be trying to fit in and trying to uh, absorb everything. And I get that. But normally when top 10 pick and uh, a good, I think Omax probably should have gone higher. I think he's probably going to be a steal in the draft. So let's call him a top 15 pick. If, sure. if he had the media behind him before draft. Those picks go to shitty teams, and those players don't perform because they're the best player on a shitty team, and they're a rookie. So you've got these two rookies that are defensive-minded, and you have two Hall of Fame point guards in their prime. Mm -hmm. Those guys aren't going to be your typical, uh, I'm the only good player on my team big. Those guys, uh, Omax isn't going to be, I have to do everything all the time. Like yep. he's going to be getting baby fed, spoon fed, the easiest shots in the world. And um, then after that, you look at like the guard rotation. Everybody's like, oh, you know, we got the two stars and that's it. Right. We got, we got more than that. We got Luca and Kyrie to start. Let's say Kyrie goes off. And then Hardy steps in, goes off the floor. Hardy steps in and doesn't miss a beat because he fills Kyrie's role for Luca almost perfectly. Luca goes off. Kyrie comes back in with um, 
what's his name? Exum. Mm-hmm. And Exum fills Luca's role for Kyrie perfectly, except more defense. Sure. So the the tandem between Hardy, Luca, Kyrie, Exum, and um, Curry is just going to be switching out the same pieces. Like when it's Kyrie's turn to ball, they're going to put in a bigger guard. And when it's Luca's time to ball, they're going to put in a straight fire shooter. Sure. And I'm, I'm, there's a lot of options. Yeah, or put them together and then, you know, maybe run a three-guard lineup every once in a while. That's right. But I'm super excited about how this how this season offseason turned out and how this season uh could go. Good. But you should uh, be excited. It's 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 fun. It's nice to to have something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. That's right. Well, Joel, thank you so much for uh, for waiting and for coming up. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, that's about it. Uh, I just felt like getting that off my chest. I don't have many people to talk to up here. And, See, and that's and why I do these. That is yep. exactly why I do these. I even living here in Dallas now, like all my neighbors are old. They don't care about basketball. I need to, I need to talk to folks. Um, all well, right, man. All well, my neighbors are Blazers fans. So oh, we just I'm argue. So, that's right. All right, man. Hope you come back. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks a lot. Yep. Bye. Okay. Coming up next is my man, Tyron. Uh, Tyron, let's see here. Let's go. There's a button. Hi, Tyron. What's going on today? Uh, not much. I got a day off and I finally caught you doing one of these things. Awesome. <laughs> Been a while. That's right. Uh, well, before I get started, I have to say you have the sexiest intro music for this show I've ever heard. See, it's really hit or miss. We get emails where it's like, you really need to never play this stuff again. And then it's like, I can't figure out whether I like it ironically or not, but it's 50 seconds long. Panda, Panda Hank helped me find, like, put together the video with the overlay. Like, I just, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with any of this stuff. So it's, it's, you know, figuring out as we go is the best. If it means anything, it sounds great to me. It's giving, uh, early 2000s Skinamax. <laughs> yeah, leave, leave that in like an apple itunes review <laughs> i got you uh but anyways uh i just wanted to get a couple texts off um i've been doing a lot of trolling for lack of a better better word in the uh mad space sure there's a lot of rasan uh holmes hate out there and i don't understand why um and anybody listening, first of all, I really encourage you stop repeating stuff that you hear sports pundits say that's baseless and do your own homework before you have a conversation with anybody about sports, mm-hmm. period. Sure. Uh, so as far as Rashawn Holmes goes, people will tell me, you know, he hasn't he didn't play last year in Sacramento. Sacramento is historically one of the most oddball organizations in the league. There's no telling why he didn't play. I mean, he just, he just kind of disappeared. We can speculate all day long, but we don't know why, right? But before that happened, Rashawn Holmes was putting elite bigs in the league in prison on a nightly basis. Let's he, not has, that. he has, and and we had a writer at Mavs Moneyball. He doesn't work with us anymore, but I still talk with him. Uh, his name's Joe. And I, I could have sworn he wrote a piece on this, and I just could never find it. But he made an argument to me on a podcast we did like maybe two years ago that he he could be an amazing pick and roll partner with Luca because he has this truly bizarre, like seventeen, like like twelve to seventeen foot push shot where yes. it's like you watch him shoot it and he doesn't look like it's a real thing. It's like yes. people don't do this anymore. It's like a nineteen fifties push shot, yeah, and it goes in like crazy. 
And with yep. the way spacing works now, he's just going to be in that no man's land where if like, like you commit to Luca, he's going to be right there at the elbow to hit the push shot. It's going to be great. Exactly. And if, if they utilize that, because we I mean, also Kyrie Irving is a mid-range assassin. Luca mm-hmm. is a mid-range assassin. If you have him involved with those two, sky's the limit. Then you can really space the floor and the de- you're making the defense work that much harder. Well, kid really likes really. that area too. That's yeah. kind of an, he talks about it a lot though. It's not come out in the offense and he wants a lot more two point shots than the Mavericks have taken, yeah. but they haven't had the really the personnel to do that sort of stuff. And now they do. And it, I'm going to be interested to see how it works its way into the offense. Cause I don't know about you guys. I like the three ball, but like I need Luca to shoot maybe five a game, not nine. Yeah. And just attack the rim, attack the paint, utilize some of the different options that they have. And Holmes, I'm I'm very curious. I have no idea how he fits. Uh, you know, he's 6'10, he's got a big wingspan. He's not a great defender, but neither is anybody else on the team. So, you know, I mean, lively maybe one day. I just I, I just want to see different stuff, and I think that'll be fun. Yeah. Well, and another point too I wanted to uh, get to is you know, uh here I've heard a lot of negativity surrounding a lot of the moves that we've made this summer, which is fine. It's your opinion. Uh, but what stands out to me about the guys that we've picked up, the Mavericks have lacked grit for the last however long. we got a bunch of nice guys on the team. We've always had a bunch of nice guys on the team, you know, that like to hang out by the pool and play solitaire and then go out and maybe play basketball when it's time to compete. I feel like the guys we have on the roster now, we have some dogs on the team. Okay. Not, to, not to quote Jimmy Butler or anything, but we have some we have some dogs on the team. Uh, Dante Exum has been just ferocious as of late, and I love seeing that. Uh, we know Grant Williams is going to go out there and compete. Uh, uh, again, I'm I'm Team Rashawn Holmes. I I really feel like Rashawn Holmes is going to take this as a second opportunity and show his ass this year as well. Uh, and, and some other guys we got. We all you know, Steph. Seth Curry is going to go out there and compete. We have guys now that aren't just going to lay down because a couple shots didn't go in. We we have some competitors this year. So I'm, for one, I'm super excited to see uh, what's going to happen next season. And I, I I say all that to say this. I hope Jason Kidd doesn't somehow fuck it all up. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's not, you know, coaching is probably is hard, but – you know, they've, they've changed up the staff a little bit. I felt like last year, at least from the reading, there wasn't a lot of responsibility from the coaching staff. Yeah. You know, one of our early season complaints, and that's just this just went away as the year went on because the Mavs were garbage, um, at least, you know, particularly March and April, was the, the notion of, all right, can we just not do the dumb thing? Like, that was the thing I always felt about Rick Carlisle, is that he would try weird stuff but never – like it was, it, it, uh, some of the things kid did last year. It's like, like, oh, I'm just watching, you know, he's, he's just, he, I think he'll do a better job this year because I think the personnel is there to do some of the things he wants. And I think that'll make a big difference. Yeah. So that, that, that brings up a good point too. So the first year kid was here, he did an amazing job, right? I think we can all agree. On well, he's that. won a lot of games. So it's like, yeah. you know, like, like how much credit do we give him for, for, I think we give him a fair amount of credit for um, Jalen Brunson. Yeah, and sure, sure. things worked out with that three guard set, and Luca was great and in shape. The defense that they played, I think he deserves a lot of credit. But I also don't think it was like schematically interesting. It was the play hard defense, right? No, it, it definitely schematics is is not his thing. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, year two, we saw such a, a sharp regression 
in everything. I know, as like you said, from the coaching staff, I'm wondering if he was just really that unhappy with the tools he was given last season. And I wonder if this year, we're go- are we going to see first season Jason Kidd this season? Because it seems like, uh, you know, he and Nico really had more say-so in what happened this summer. I mean, I really haven't heard anything from Mark Cuban, thank God. But mm-hmm. he's been he's been pretty uh, pretty quiet. So I, I don't know. That, that adds to my excitement also. That's true. Season. That's true. Well, hey, man, thanks for hopping in again. Thanks for taking the time. Yep. All right. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. You too, man. All right, so there's this uh, person in the uh, in the waiting room. His name is Josh Bow. You may be familiar with him from such podcasts as Pod Maverick uh, and and that sort of thing. So, uh, Josh, what's going on, dude? Hey, no camera. Um, apologies That's to our to our YouTube audience. But, we know what um, you look like. <clears throat> yeah, that's the problem. So that's why I'm not on camera. Um, <laughs> it's just you know, it's Friday. I've had a long work week. I, I when I'm not on camera, just the audience can know. Like I am a, I am two steps away from disaster. Just like I am, I am disheveled. I am, I'm not meant for public consumption. And then when it's time to go pick up the kid from daycare, um, or it's time to do one of our podcasts, I, I clean myself up in like the 15 minutes before I need to do something, and then I'm and then I'm out the door. But until sure. then, I am just, I'm a mess. Um, First off, I, I know I said it in Slack, but our last caller, uh, or caller is a funny way to say it, but uh, last guest that you brought up, one of his points was, um, he says, oh, I wrote it in our Slack. What did he say? Well, I, uh, yeah. I've heard I've heard a lot of negativity about the moves we've made. There has been I, some weird negativity. Uh, like where? Nate Duncan, where? Nate Duncan's podcast. Oh, he doesn't count. Goriated the Mavericks offseason, like gave it an F. He doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what i've really? seen what i've seen, seen was the disappointment that the mavericks didn't do something else at center and we've talked about that an awful lot i've gotten we i don't know if you read our youtube comments josh but i've gotten read almost everyone and tried to interact and reply to them there are people that are still very concerned about the center and i think mm. you and i have sort of made mm. peace with it I'm willing to come around on it. I also think there's still a deal there to be made. If it's that important to them, they're just going to have to eat more salary than they want and probably give up an asset they don't want to. If they really want to go get what's his name from, uh, from Atlanta. Yeah. It's just, you know, center to me is like NFL running backs. It's not that you have to ignore the, the position. I just think that you can make do with, as long as other parts of your roster are a little bit better. And I mean, we've seen this team do, do, I mean, they made the Western conference finals with, with Powell and Kleba basically. Yep. Um, and they went through Rudy Gobert and they went through Deandre Ayton. And I know everyone then points to Kavon Looney and it's like, like, I know that didn't help, but they didn't lose that series because of Kavon Looney. That's right. Uh, they lost it for, there were, like three or four things on the on the list. Kevon Looney shut the door. Yes. I think yeah, he was like the 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 end thing that the Mavericks couldn't do anything about. But yeah, that, yeah, that's a good way to. Put he it. made everything else hurt. Yeah. So I, I I guess I I get it. I'm just I'm just not as upset. You know, mm. obsessed with the center position. What did Nate What did Nate Duncan say? Because that's really interesting. Because it, he's know, he's very. I know that he's very like you know he's a cap dork. They and none of the deals Kyrie. they made. Oh, okay, okay. And, well, and you that you know, uh, I was gonna say because every deal besides Kyrie was basically like a cap 
like I would think they would be fawning over mm-hmm. like that Grant Williams deal is going to look like robbery in year th- by year three. With the, yeah, like, I, there's a lot of like, like, like Celtics people were really sick of him. And well, I think yeah, a lot yeah. like, fan, you know, he was in a very specific role in Boston. And I'm curious as to whether having more like the ability to handle the ball more, maybe not just stand in the corner, shoot threes and play defense. I'm going to be curious to see how he pans out. Like Grant Williams is a really like Boston fans felt a certain kind of way about him because and like this has like been reported. Apparently, Grant Williams is unbelievably annoying. Like, <laughs> like, like Ryan Russillo said that he like repeatedly mentioned how that his teammates, while they liked him as a person in the game type stuff, he was just annoying. And so it's an well, yeah. I'm sure game. you don't like seeing your eighth man talk shit to Jimmy Butler and yes. You know, so that it's like, that's stuff. the sort of thing where it's just like, all right, did this guy bite off more than he could chew? But you know, in hindsight, Dalton Trigg and I talk about this all year. Grant Williams ran the hi Luca, pick me, pick me all year long. The dude <laughs> had comment after comment about how he wanted to be a maverick and how much he liked Luca's game. Like it was, so it's, you know, there's a lot of that there. And that gives me a lot of hope because it's like, if you want to be somewhere and Williams has made that very clear to how happy he is that I think changes how you approach basketball. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that's weird, even if all those things follow him to Dallas, I mean, if he, I mean, fans might not be happy about it, but if he does what he did last season and repeats it every year for the four, like, that's worth like that's worth his contract and Pretty maybe then some. Like I mean, he doesn't even have to do that much more. I mean, he's only getting paid like what eleven, like that's about right. thirteen million a year. Like it's really, he's his contract is currently smaller per year than Dorian Finney-Smith's. Like it's it, like it's by a smidge, but it's like I just he doesn't really have to do much to make that contract look good. So uh, I had I'm to bring surprised. in, I don't know if you can tell this, Josh, but I had to bring in Xavier him. because Xavier was also not a fan of our off season. He is also a Nate Duncan acolyte. And he also just looks incredible in whatever his office setup is right now. Like this is a businessman that I'm looking at. What's going on X unmute yourself. What's going on, Kurt? Look, I hesitated um, coming on stage cause I get it right. Nobody wants to hear about, my takes on the team because I, I don't like the team's offseason. This is a time for excitement and for everybody to kind of, you know, it's a season of hope. Um, and I am like, Can I ask great. you a question though? Yeah. You, I don't think you like the offseason much more to do with the last several off seasons than this offseason. Because I don't, I think if, if I'm remembering you correctly, please let's, I'll let you say your position. I think that if, if I'm reading you right, this offseason doesn't correct for a lot of the past mistakes. Because they've just they made mistakes. Like like last year was a disaster. Yes. Um, in a vacuum, I think that a lot of the moves are easily defensible. But I think it's the context that people put the offseason in. And I think people still view us as that team that made that worse conference finals run, right? And it's just yep. like, just hey, not. if we just if we tweak a couple things, we'll be right there. And it's like, I don't think we're close to being that team. And so I'm like, look, do I like Grant Williams? Yes. Do I think that he held up better in that switching system that they had to where he was a cog in the machine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's not the type of defender that you're going to say, hey, go shut down the other team's best wing, yeah. right? And so right now, who do we have that's going to defend the other team's best wing? It's not Lucas, not Kyrie. It's probably not going to be you're, Grant. You're going to love Omax. He's he's going to break your, your cold, like, stone heart open 
and you're going to love Omax. That's my that's my opinion. I, I, I like his wingspan. He's a little slow for but I like his wingspan. But my question is, remember every time we would play, they double team and the ball would always find his hand in Dorian Finney-Smith's hands. Now, on the nights he hit shots, we won. Everything looked great. But on the nights that he didn't, you stunk it up. So if the ball is always finding Omax, I yeah, know. I mean he's gonna work himself in it. I'm 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 slightly overstating it, but I just I just it's look with the way the with the way they ended the seat like the team was so bad by the by the you know post Kyrie trade like they gutted they you know they did cut their nose off in order to go get Kyrie and that just and that's what we and, have now. And I think that honestly, if I'm being honest, I think Kyrie is the biggest problem that we have, right? Okay. Because they keep doubling down on Kyrie. But the problem is, is that he wasn't the answer for what we were lacking. He, yeah, but, he wasn't the problem. Him and Luca no, worked. Offensively, for why, yes. But I feel like against teams that matter, defensively, it's like you can get away if Luca's your worst defender. But if Luke, but I, I just, I think Kyrie at the point of attack, and even when he wants to be engaged or seem like he's trying, he takes so many risks. He tries to jump certain passes lanes that just puts the rest of the defense in crisis. And you're just looking like that's fake effort. On tape, it may look like you're trying hard, but really you're just like, I don't really feel like playing defense. I'm going to jump a pass lane the next thing you know. This is a strong take. But even even through all that, they were still overwhelmingly positive with Kyrie and Luke on the floor. The problem was the rest of the roster besides those two were just – it was over. They couldn't couldn't rebound. They they didn't have anyone else that could contribute positive, impactful basketball after those two guys on a consistent basis other than like, you know, Hardaway randomly having a, a hot game or or, some, or Josh Green popping off for one of his random games. But problem was they couldn't, you know, and Kyrie, Kyrie and Luca kind of did what they were supposed to do after that trade deadline. The rest of the roster was just fried. And this is this offseason is like, okay, they didn't get a clear-cut third-best player, but they at least made just added more dudes that you at least feel a little bit more comfortable being on the floor as opposed to your Reggie Bullocks and your Dorians and your – and your Theos and your Franks, and, and now those minutes are replaced with Grant and Seth Curry and uh, and Exum and maybe your rookies, but you don't know what you're going to really get from them. But yeah, so I, best case, what do you guys think? Best case scenario, like what if, see, if think everything that, falls perfectly? What go? Where do the maps end up? Yeah, six see, I think yeah, I think I, yeah, six six seeds somewhere around there. I think yeah. the thing is, is you think we. You might be thinking like we think this offseason was great and we think that they're back. I don't necessarily think that they're back. Like they they were rock bottom. And you don't go from finishing eleventh in the mm-hmm. conference to being a top four seed in no. one offseason, especially with the assets that they had. So it's gonna be it's gonna take them another summer before I feel, you know, of them Good. making moves. I mean, I just before I, contend- I feel like they're a, a comfortable can top four in the conference contender. I, I contend that had Jason Kidd not screwed around with JaVale McGee for the first 10 games of the season, and had they not traded for Kyrie Irving, I think they would have slogged into like the seventh seed. Because we're talking about four or five games difference, all total. And they lost so many clutch games. <laughs> I mean, it was truly important. And so it's just like, I certainly don't think it makes them a top four team. I think I see a path to them being a steadily playoff. Like my goal would be to avoid the play-in. Simple as that. That would be like if they made a six seed, I would be pretty excited because at that point you get five days of rest and then you figure out who you're playing after that. But as we've also seen the last several years, there's like that mire of Western Conference teams 
And it's like, how do you close? How do you finish the year? And Josh and I talked about this a couple of days ago. The Mavericks have a remarkably light March and, and April schedule. Like if they wanted to, they could close like a bear, but what they have to do is not do the thing they've done for the past several seasons, which is play 35 games of 500 ball. Like you need to make progress. You can't just, ah, well, we'll figure it out. It'll come together. No, the game, the season is too long. One injury will set like the, the Luka Doncic injury. Cause he got hurt right uh, uh, with that. Do you remember when he tried, like he hurt his, his heel where he tried to, you know, Michael Jordan dunk. He was never the same after that. It's like, there's the, you, you just got to like, the Mavericks played like a team that had a margin for error. They did not have. And so uh, that's where I just think if, if they, re- you know, maybe they won't recognize this, but there's just enough weirdness difference to where I think that they're, they're still quite playoff viable. But again, maybe we're just wrong. We'll see and above all else. I think it'll be more fun because the last three years, there've been elements of it where I'm just like, all right, we've seen this. Yeah. I, I agree that. I, I guess my only thing is like, I agree with you. I feel like a top 10 percentile finish for us is we finish five or six in the West, which means that if we more than likely we end up in the play in. And so if that's the case, it's more than likely that what you're saying is probably going to happen where we're just slogging along playing 500 basketball. Right. And unless we get the right breaks and things fall in our favor, I, unfortunately, I think that's why I'm excited for the season because I love watching them, obviously. But yeah. I, my fear is your, is your fear. I feel like we're going to come out. Nine and nine, nine and ten. All this, you know, all the opponents are going to start saying what they normally say, um, and I just hope that we have enough optionality um, that works to where we have a plan B or a plan C. If our plan A doesn't work, to where we, maybe we can light a fire and spark the team and do something new to kind of get us ahead. But we'll see. X, thanks for joining us. You're the man. No doubt, guys. All right, here. That's I'll it. I'll go ahead and hop down too because I know I'll you got hop some down too. All right, too. then we got Krishna waiting in the wings. Yeah. And then I'm going to go. He's back been to waiting my for day. a while. He has been. Yeah, um, get up there. All right, talk to you, Josh. Oh, cut Josh off early. Oh well, he'll be fine. Krishna, you're going to close us out. What's up, Kirk? How are you? I'm great. Thanks for uh, for joining us. This has been a remarkably be productive show. When I was hoping to get half an hour, <laughs> complete opposite. I felt like. Um, there's just so much I've missed. Obviously, the Dirk ceremony was great. I, I left watching it in real in, in real time too. That mm-hmm. was that was very nice. It sucked that it was on NBA TV. Like it was impossible to get unless you had um, God, what is it called? Whatever the NBA subscription League Pass. That's what it was. Yeah. Like I don't know who has League Pass in the middle of the summer, but that's a whole different discussion. But um, you know, I get it. I get the two versions that people feel about this offseason where people are either very optimistic or very pessimistic. And I get why you feel both ways, right? Because if you look at the history of Mavs offseasons, this seems like such an outlier in the sense of this can either completely blow up in, in their in their faces or it's a it looks like a genius move. I think I'm somewhere still in the middle. I think a lot of what these moves are feel like moves that should have happened early on in Luca's career. Almost like a like a great reset. And it's going to take time. Like, I, I feel like even if this team makes the play in or, you know, like you're saying, I think a, a really good season would beat the sixth or fifth seed. But I don't think it's impossible. I think, you know, Omax, his offensive game is a little bit worrying in terms of he has explosive ability. It's just his ability to shoot is concerning. But I, I do trust this coaching staff. Like this, this coaching staff has in some ways proven that they can get guys to shoot. And I think it's a different – 
It's different when it's a mechanics thing. I don't think his mechanics are terrible. And I also don't think it's a confidence thing like it was with Josh Green. So I have less worry that they can get Omax to shoot threes in terms of actually making them. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen this season, but I think he has that kind of growth in the future. And then in terms of Lively, I don't think he'll be ready this season, but what I have like looked up and seen and listened about him is – his history is always he's always played with like a two big man set. And I don't think mm. this team is really going to do that because Grant can kind of play the five and he's done pretty well defending centers, but he's not a very traditional big man because the way Lively had played two man center is he never really got rebounds or he often got blocks, but that was always because he played a lot more help and covering the paint. So the other big man would usually get the rebounds and push up the court. So I think that's kind of how they played at Duke was he wasn't really getting a ton of rebounds in the stats because he was often just the paint protector, especially, you know, you've talked about it. That style, that college style basketball is so different, especially when you play with two big men. But the thing that makes me more optimistic about Lively is he's always had an ability to adjust to what his role is and what he's asked to do. And he's always kind of shown a level of improvement that I think is really important. Like I think the best rookies often either – start out really hot and start strong um you know like luca and the superstars like lebron obviously but then there's the other type of rookies like i think of like a shea right where shea you think about who he was his rookie season versus who he is now it's been a gradual development and it's like taken time but he's clearly an all-star worthy player an all nba worthy player but that has taken yeah, time you see what he did today yeah i mean my nuts, god dude. the guy is nuts like i was i was one of those people that i feel like shea I think that year with Chris Paul honestly helped him a lot because him being out of the spotlight, I think has benefited him more than if he was in LA. I think he still would have been a great player if he was in LA, but yeah, I think it might've been more, I think it might've been more treacherous for him just because the team would have had a lot more pressure to win. And, you know, without Kawhi and, and PG for most of that time, well, PG wouldn't even yeah. be been on the team because he, he would, he was in that trade, but uh, that's what I mean. Like, I feel like lively won't necessarily reach his peak this season or even next season. But I think what he has the capability to do is be a really great partner for Luca, for Kyrie, whoever is there in the future. And I think that's positive. And, you know, one of the things I was super interested in when I was looking into it, and I, I forget who pointed it out, but someone pointed it out. Lively's passing ability from the post is pretty impressive. Like his assist to turnover ratio compared to most, even like bigs in the NBA. But Shout out to the various bigs. Mav bigs that we've had to watch over the years that love making terrible passes. Oh my <laughs> God, DeAndre it, Jordan throwing, he's like, I'm going to throw a backdoor pass. Just launches it out and kills a cheerleader. Oh, well, it, 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 that's the thing. That's like, that's what's impressive about it is mm -hmm. he, his instinct on the defensive side of the court, you can see he still has that offensively. Sure. Like he he's far more capable of taking his time and thinking and then making a decision rather than just most bigs, which I don't think it's bad. I think for most bigs, it takes like they're in the opposite spectrum where they're physically ready, but then they need to develop all of the intellectual aspects of their game. Um, I think of like a Nick Claxton is a really great example where Nick's Claxton, Nick Claxton as an athlete is superb but he had to develop all the you know like the positioning and the the rebounding instincts and the de defensive instincts like when do you go up for blocks and i think like lively has a lot of that i think for him it's far more adjusting to what the system is and then physically growing into it like the guy is still what like 19 like mm -hmm. it, it's crazy to think the guy is very young and my worry is that fans are going to get on him too much but i also don't think he's someone to be completely affected by it like i think 
he could have a stinker of a season this year, which I, I really don't think he will. But even if he did, I think he would bounce back in the next season, which makes well, the way the, the way they've the recent history of bringing along rookies has been to put them only in situations where they can succeed and develop some some kind of continuity of success, which breeds, you know, more confidence, which breeds better play. And so I'm not sure we're like, if anything, I think we're going to be clamoring for more. This is an interesting take. So in the chat, um, 17 says lively needs to bulk up looks fragile. I can tell you this, my guy, I saw him next to uh, Tyson Chandler and Tyson Chandler helped us win an NBA finals and lively is 15 to 20 pounds heavier. Yeah. Like, like if you look at Chandler, when he entered the NBA, he's went straight from high school. Chandler oh. was way skinnier. Oh, no, but he's bigger. Like I'm just, you go look yeah. at like, if you were to compare pictures, he like lively is a, is a guy with a, a kind of scary frame where he looks like he could put on even more. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't agree. I, I mean, I agree with that, with the concept of he needs to put on more muscle. So all these guys do. Omax was the only one who was like, holy shit, that's a man. And that's because Omax is what twenty one. Like he's just a year younger, if not a few months younger than Josh Green. So like he's had some time and some experience. Like I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm not talking about Chandler now. I'm talking yeah. about like Chandler. When but he, Chandler he was a entered. skinny player. Like I saw them oh, in yeah. person in twenty eleven, and it's remarkable. He was very strong. Like so, it's like like the strength. I think is more important than size when you're talking about this. And I, I think that that'd be one thing we'd all agree on. And I think Lively has that, right? Like, I think Lively has enough physical, like, he's strong enough. Like, he's he's strong enough, and I think he's he's very smart, which I think is kind of an underrated thing. Like, if you watch the Summer League, very few big men don't just immediately go up for the block, don't just immediately fall for, for the jump shot, right? And I think he was very smart about knowing when to go up, just, like, pushing players away from the lane. Like, I, there were so many times where a player would drive into the lane thinking, okay, I can pump fake, and then Lively's going to jump, and I'm going to shoot over him. And Lively just didn't do it. Like, he just didn't fall for any of these baits, and he would and he would essentially just push him into the help defense. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of caused them to collapse. And it happened quite a few times. And to me, what it shows is he already understands, like, what his role is as a paint defender. Is It's not going to be, I need to get all these blocks, which is – been the problem with so many of the bigs we had like the same thing with JaVale and Christian Wood like they got blocks but the important thing about being like the center of a defense is not just the blocks but it's like deterring people from trying to get to the rim and not always falling for you know the shots it's going to happen at one or two points but I don't know I, I think I think he'll be fine I, I think also like part of it is just he's got a really great head on his shoulders and I don't think any of the the bulking up is going to be an issue like uh, yes, I agree. He has to bulk up, but I don't think it's as big an issue as someone like Chet, right? Like I think yep. Chet is a very different situation than Lively and Lively has been doing this for a while in terms of like, you think about it, his mom was a professional athlete for a yep. long, long time, a basketball player specifically, and she played center. So like, I think he gets it. Like, I don't think he's going into this. He certainly said thinking, all the right things. Yeah. And, and I, it's, it's weird. Like, of course, like, oh, it's like, you know, PR speak, but like, you know, a 19-year-old, it doesn't necessarily mean he's always going to get it. So that's the positive. So I think it's weird. Obviously, everyone is more than entitled to their opinions. I think it's just going to be interesting. This is an interesting time because I don't think much of the, like, the landscape of the West hasn't changed in terms of, like, there's it's just pure chaos. Like, it's kind of just, like, the Nuggets are probably going to be really good, and then I guess everyone else is going to be what they are. And yep. so it's like a wait-and-see game. But FIBA will be exciting. It's been a little troubling with the Josh Green stuff, but 
Why? When he's playing, he's been good. Josh Green. He looks like Josh Green. It's just the injury stuff. I, not oh, yeah. so much the the playing. Like I'm just a, I'm just a little concerned with that. But like I felt like he was going to be fine because you think about it, he's a completely different player from when he was at the Olympics just just a year ago, which is crazy to think about. But exciting. He, he's doing better, and he, I think you've mentioned it. Like I know a lot of people were kind of freaked out about the Morris thing, but if Morris is like the very last guy on your bench, I don't think it's that it's that concerning uh, yeah. at all. Uh, I think I know how, that's Punjab. That's okay, how I see, would say you it. understand why I asked that question in the chat. Because otherwise, yeah. I'm going to say it in just the most Texas ass way. Angel. Yeah, Angel. You know something? Just <laughs> I don't want to butcher my man's name. Don't worry, I get it. I live in a very like white neighborhood, and I went to school with so many white people. Like it was shocking. Hey man, like, North Texas. Look, I, this is a diaspora right now. There are the so thing. many people now, here. The word yeah, here is great. I love it. Now it's great. Now, now most people can pronounce my name, which is yeah. like I'm like a little shocked, but I'm like I guess it should be normal. But it's all good. Have a good day, Kirk. All right, man. Thanks so much. All right, this 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 uh, prompt prompt. Shoot, I'm just gonna butcher it. Help me. How you're muted. One second. Yeah, it's the mute on the uh, actual. Uh, there we go. Try oh, again. There we go. Can you hear me now? I can. Welcome to the show. Hey, yeah, it's Prangel. It's Prangel. There's, See, there's no real that. pronunciation, so it's fine. I, I mean, I answer to anything that sounds like like people. You know, my favorite thing is like my name is in my email, and I will get emails calling me Kurt. Like uh, my name, it's there in my email, and you call me the wrong thing. Anyway, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So I missed about like the first 30 minutes or so of this podcast. So forgive me if you've already talked about this, but um, I've been watching FIBA the last couple of weeks, like USA stuff. And who do you think is going to come out of this FIBA tournament taking a major jump? Because I was thinking about this and I was even watching some FIBA highlights in the past. It was guys like KD. And in 2010, it was Derrick Rose, who the next year immediately became MVP or in 2014, Steph Curry immediately became MVP after his FIBA run. And I'm just wondering if United States or otherwise, who do you think is going to come out of the FIBA tournament so much more improved? Ooh, this is a fun one. Because there's like, if and guys, if you don't know, like I'll just post the, the FIBA roster real quick in the chat if you haven't happened to know who's on the team. Because, you know, if you, if you haven't followed any of the friendlies, I don't blame you. Um, but for Team USA, there's like Anthony Edwards is apparently – by all accounts, like the man and Steve Kerr is just hyping him like nobody's business, which is really odd because Kerr had an opportunity to, to have input on drafting him, but he apparently had an awful workout with the Warriors back in the day. I mean, the Anthony Edwards is white might be one of the most, he just, he didn't play a lot of youth basketball. He's a football guy. And so he just, every leap that he takes, it's like, all right, what's, what's the ceiling for him? So him is another, Austin Reeves, as much as it pains me, like it just it it hurts my soul because I I I think he's I I certainly think that he got the best. Uh, he's just he's he's gonna take a real leap. I cannot believe somebody didn't try to offer him like a poison pill or super contract. You know, Brunson's obviously gonna be pretty good. I'm mean, very interested what Ty, what Tyrese Halliburton did did or will do. Um, I think most Mavs fans know this, but the 2020 draft, the Mavericks tried to basically trade Brunson and the picks and the picks that they had to move up to go get Halliburton. 
um, which would have been fascinating in, in hindsight. Uh, he's a heck of a guard. Those are kind of my main ones. Jaron Jackson Jr. is obviously amazing, but he's just got to not foul himself out of the game. I think if the if the United States were to win, it would be because Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of connects the dots defensively because the, the United States is good, but they're not unbeatable because the 40-minute the element of FIBA games is what I love so much about them because it's less margin for error. You just can't. You gotta if if you're the better team, you need to exercise your will. Yeah, I, I don't know if you watched today's game either, France and uh, France and Canada. I but did. Shay might win man. MVP next year. I mean, he legitimately had zero points in the first half, and then went off for like twenty three in the third quarter. It makes no sense how good that's he is. incredible. Like it, like I don't understand how he just gets in the lane so easily. It makes no sense to me. It's like because you would think in your like FIBA, the court's smaller, so he's not just going to be able to. Unlike the NBA, he can't just go to. No, he's just going to the rim at will. It makes no sense to me. He leads the league and has for like five straight years in drives per game. So mm-hmm. he's just constantly going at the basket, and he's just. I don't really know what the ceiling is for him. Um, by all accounts, he he. I've heard some stuff about how he doesn't really want to be in Oklahoma long-term, which, you know, I can understand that. I think his personal timeline is a little different than theirs, but they've had to hold him out for several of the past, you know, end of seasons because he's too good. They can't tank when he's out there playing. I love him. Yeah. Uh, Also recently I've been learning a little bit more about European basketball, like just Mm -hmm. not, not FIBA, but just Eurobasket in general. And I've been thinking about this and I've been wondering why haven't the Mavs taken chances on some of these like extremely good EuroLeague players? Like for example, this season the Kings picked up uh, Sasa Vizhenko. Yep. I think I pronounced that wrong, but he's basically the European Clay Thompson. He won MVP because yep. he scored 275 points. I wrote this down while only taking 26 dribbles the entire season. That is absurd. Or even OKC signing uh, Mitchich, who was the EuroLeague MVP last year. And I'm just surprised that the Mavs haven't gone for any of those types of players in the Luka era. Like, unless I'm forgetting someone, so I can't I think would, of anyone who they've signed that's like that. I would say it has more to do with the player than it does the team. Because these guys that play in these other leagues, there's a re- – you know, the money – frankly, they might be able to make more money for fewer games and then get to be the guy. Whereas you come here – like. You, enough European and South American coaches and, and players have said this to the effect that there's a feeling that NBA basketball is a different sport. You know, just, just kind of the way men's and women's soccer are different sports. Like, there's just enough about the outcome and the way things are called. And it's just it's different, and guys might not necessarily want to deal with that is sort of my, my, my feeling. Because it's like if you're either here or you're not. Um, I think some guys want to test themselves with it. You know, it, maybe there's certain uh, relationships that allow it to happen. Uh, yeah, Andreas in the chat says Faku Campazo. I mean, it's just, yeah, like, Faku came over when he was like 27, 28. It's, it's a different deal. And um, I think that might also be a big issue because I know like both Mitchich and, um, uh, and Vizenkov are like 27, 28. Yeah. Like they're, they're, like in their prime right now and I, I wonder if like the age thing where they're like oh we don't know we already know what their ceiling is mm-hmm. so that's why we don't want to pick them up we want to try to see if we can pick up someone with higher potential maybe rudy fernandez was briefly a maverick i don't think he ever actually suited up but he came to the mavericks as part of a trade in 2013 and he's like kind of the 
he's a really good example of a guy who had this long and still has like a long overseas career, but he was here decided it really wasn't for him and decided he was going to go back. And I think that's, that's kind of what happens for a fair number of these guys. Also like the Mavericks just haven't had, because the contract things are weird. Cause it's like you get more money based off of like terms of service, like within the NBA, it's like why, you know, and so it's like you, you sign these guys up, and, and I think there's a, like there's maybe like an age point where it's like okay, well you can pay for this much, and I just don't know if teams have have enough to necessarily lure guys over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I don't know. It's it's just it's just something I've been learning recently. It's just been keeping up with, or not keeping up with, just but just learning about. No, it's fun watching these and... other these other squads because, um, like I've talked about this before, and it's like my version of a name drop. I love watching Brazil because they have a bunch of like remember some guys all stars like from way back, and they have a a guy named Marcelo Huertas who is a forty year old point guard who played here in Dallas and with me in high school. He was on my team, and so it's like. And then there's like uh, for Iran they have uh, Hadadi, I think was his name. Like huge big. It's like the the FIBA World Cup is just fantastic for like names. It's like oh I remember that guy, and if somebody pointed it out. Um, uh, there was the, somebody was lighting it up for Latvia, but it wasn't Davis Bertans. Like you just start watching these games, you're like wow, this guy's really good at basketball. It's it's great. Basketball is so much fun to watch because it's so di- it's so different in in different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 just excited to see FIBA because this is my first time really like paying attention to FIBA or Olympic basketball and international basketball, and it's 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 just been interesting learning about these guys and also being like. Why, why aren't some of these guys like coming over? It just, I love it. I, I, I wonder, love it. And it's, it's the games are shorter. The refs are horrid in a way oh, that terrible. makes terrible. It's Ter- criminal. I, well, almost. Yeah, I, so I don't know if you, if you probably didn't watch the friendly game between USA and Spain. It was I, in Spain. And it I've was the worst that. officiated game I've ever seen in my life. It was literally guys were being dragged down to the floor. No call. United States barely touches the ball and it's a foul. It, it I listened to a podcast game. like the Brian Windhorst, the, the Hoop Collective one, and he said that like they gave a ref in that game an award at halftime, and it was like super bizarre because it was such a poorly called game. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it was it was apparently I, I know what you're talking about. It was apparently like he'd been in service for like 30 years, so they were celebrating him. The coach of the other team was apparently hugging him, and yep. by the end of the game, it was like the United States won by 10, but it's like they were fighting for that 10 points because. They would have done anything even close to a foul or anything like they would have gotten called for everything. It's, it's been absurd. But, yeah, it's been fun watching this European just FIBA in general. So I, I can't wait to see how well, next year when it comes to the NBA, it's going to be all be affected because it, it really does. Like, I think those players getting to play with other great players really does help them improve rapidly. Like, I don't think people realize that. But like like even 2008, like LeBron goes to the Olympics. He learns with Kobe. The immediate next year, he becomes MVP, and he's like going—he's going bananas. It's like, I don't know. I think people are going to be surprised at how many of these guys that are, that went to FIBA are just going to rapidly improve next year. I think so. Yeah, it's it's hyper competitive, and then there's the element of where it's being played, and so it's being played in the Philippines, which is probably the second or third most basketball crazed nation on earth. And if you don't know anything about Philippines basketball, there's a ten-year-old book called Pacific Rims that's fantastic. And it's, it's just, they're, they're just such a like, playing in an area where they care about basketball. Like the crowds are better. 
you know, and it's just, I, I love like a good crowd in basketball, like NBA crowds suck. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. They do. Oh, it's yeah. like when you watch these overseas games, like some of the games, particularly in like in, in, um, you know, the regions around like, like Slovenia and some of these countries over there, uh, the former, you know, uh, Yugoslavian countries, it's, it's amazing. And I just, I love that kind of passion in sports. That's what it's for. It's why we watch. Oh, yeah. Apparently two years ago, I was watching a video on this two years ago, there was a match between like two Greek teams and one of the home crowds got so rowdy when they won, they ran into the floor that the next time they played, they banned all the fans from coming in. So it was an empty arena match the next time they played because the fans were so crazy that after the game ended, they all rushed the court, which is, you would never see that happen here. Yep. But yeah, that's all I have. All Excellent. Right. This is a great way to end the show. Thanks so much for, uh, for hanging out. I hope you come back. All right. You too, man. All right. All right, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, hanging out for 90 minutes. Can't believe we did this on a Friday afternoon in August. Mavs fans, y'all are nuts, uh, but you're the best. So remember, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't. Uh, hit the alarm bell after you hit the subscribe because that lets you know when we go live. As everybody in here probably knows, during the regular season, we do an immediate post-game reaction show with Josh and I. Then I host a show like this, and we do one for as many games as possible, which means a heck of a lot of opportunity to talk Mavs. Everybody go enjoy your weekend. If you're here in Texas, don't get sunburned. Remember to drink some water. Everybody be great, and we will uh, talk with you next week. Bye, guys.